Hey, hey, everybody. Anybody listening who's a woman over 60 who's been interested in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and has been told you're too old, I have good news. You're not. My guest, Dr. Selma Rashid, is of the opinion, and this is an opinion based in science, that women of any age are potential good clients, candidates for these vitality-giving, bone-protective, heart-protective hormones that used to run through our bodies freely until we reached menopause, and then they started to decline like so much else about our bodies. Why wouldn't you want to have these natural substances in your system to help you age with a strong mind and a strong body? And it's possible that you have tried to get them over 60, or you're not over 60, but you have a doctor who says, you know what, I don't feel safe prescribing them. It's time to look for a new doctor. Listen to the conversation, see what you think, and if you can't find somebody that can help you out, just send me an email, gregory at rebelliouswellnessover50, and say, hey, how do I find the right doc? I can give you a hand with that. And in the meantime, have a listen, but definitely don't leave yourselves out of the pool when these things are safe and they're available easily, even online. It can make all the difference in how you age and how you feel as you age. This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. My guest today is Dr. Selma Rashid, and I'm excited to talk to her because... I'm passionate about the idea that bioidentical hormone replacement is something that every woman should have in their toolbox who has the symptoms, not only the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, but the decline that comes with aging when we are low in estrogen and progesterone, which happens to everybody because that's what happens when we age. Is that correct, Dr. Rashid? Absolutely. Thank you for being here, by the way. I was happy that Lynn Bowman, one of my other guests, introduced us. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you found an interest in this particular aspect of women's health. Well, I grew up in England. I was born there. I did medicine in the States. And just like every woman in the 30s, you're just very busy and you know you just don't want to hit, you don't want to hit 40. But <laughs> after 40, I think I was 42 and the initial results of the Women's Health Initiative study came out, mm -hmm. and that was in 2002. And it basically put a halt on hormone replacement therapy. And I always had that in the back of my mind that, you know, I see women go through menopause. It wasn't a huge concern and certainly not in the near future for me. But I had it in the back of my mind that it's an option. And when I was very young, I was very into I don't wrinkles, but that I didn't care about that. Uh, in my 30s, it was about being functional. And that really upset me that, oh, my God, we don't have an option anymore. I would see women on hormones and, you know, about 10, 15 years older than me, ask me, what should I do? I'm having hot flushes, night stress, I can't sleep. 
And I'm thinking, what about me? This is me in about nine years. I can't be like this. And so that really accelerated my quest to understand this. And is it true? And just one thing kept unraveling after the other. And I realized that over the years that absolutely we need hormones. It's what keeps us feminine. It's what keeps us functional and normal. It's what gives us our dignity as we age. And what every study had been done on was on fake hormones. These are synthetic Mm -hmm. hormones, hormones that our body does not make. So that makes them patentable, therefore profitable for pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. companies. The beginning of the hormone history, every study has been done on fake hormones and by mouth. And fake hormones by mouth is a disaster. And so... As women, we are not told the truth. And it bothers me that that was 2002, where this is, you know, like 21 years later, we have only moved an inch. Mm. And and still there's so many women who are just oblivious to what the significance of these hormones are. And so my passion in life is not, obviously I, I treat women, everything, but it's to educate women that mm-hmm. this is what's happened to you. This is what you should know. And, you know, also what to take to your doctor when they're telling you incomplete information or actually inaccurate information. Yeah, I think that's an important piece to have something to take to your doctor because not every doctor is going to be against the idea, but many doctors are not educated in the idea of using bioidentical hormones. And so it's like our job to bring them up to speed. Absolutely. And I am a doctor. So I'm a hospital physician. My colleagues don't understand this uh, because we all went to the same medical school, similar medical schools, similar programs. It's not on our curriculum. Hmm. And so many doctors will just say, well, I'm not comfortable. And that's actually a very uncomfortable thought for the patient. Well, you're not comfortable. You're my doctor. Hmm. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. So you need to have your questions ready and um and we'll go through that and and as if if someone doesn't have a doctor who's receptive you work virtually now in certain states because you can only practice in certain states is that right okay i have licenses in california nevada illinois and colorado but we're you know we got so much getting people from different states and i hate to because they don't have anywhere to go so we're Mm -hmm. trying to expand Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. So the idea, the reason that I, I mentioned at the top of the, our interview, the people that I've interviewed, great docs who have companies who specialize in either online diagnosis and sending hormone treatments through the mail or, you know, seeing patients and anti-aging docs and functional medicine docs, but they, to a one have stopped at the age of 60, maybe creeping up towards 65 in terms of starting patient, not to say that you can't continue if you've already been on them, but what is the fear of starting a patient in their 60s? Because we still need those hormones. We may not have been educated that they're available to us, but now we want them. Is there a danger in starting us after 60? No, and I'm going to explain this. And it is a complex There's a complex reason, and I'll try to simplify it as much as I can. The Women's Health Initiative study, which started in the 1990s, it's the biggest study done to date. So 28,000 women, 
And they were in two groups, you know, one had a uterus, one didn't. And they gave them fake hormones, fake estrogen by mouth, which is a complete risk of blood clots and fake progesterone, which is linked to breast cancer. So in these 28,000 women, most of them, and this is really silly, most of them were older. They were 70s. Most of them were between 60 and 70, right? And a very small percentage were in the 50s when you actually have menopause symptoms. And you would sort of wonder, well, why did they do that? Because women have problems early and you should start them early. My guess is that they were trying to get a lot of data on Medicare qualifying women oh. <laughs> so that had to get the entire market and put the, make sure the government's got everybody on them, just like they with, do with baby aspirin. They just got to take it regardless. It's unethical not to. So the, a lot of the women were that age. Now, that study fell on its face. It was a disaster. Women had, both groups had more blood clots because both groups took oral estrogen, that's by mouth estrogen. We've known that since 1960, that this is a risk for blood clots. We still do it. One group had a uterus. They took oral synthetic progesterone. Now, I'll be very clear that our progesterone that we make, which is bioidentical, protects our breast and brain, uterus, everything. Oral estrogen and progesterone, rather, causes you to shed your uterus, but everywhere else is a problem. It is linked to breast cancer. So the women, both groups had more blood clots, and the women who took the progesterone, the synthetic progesterone, had more breast cancer. That is what made hormones controversial. And Wyeth, who were, you know, really looking forward to making a real killing, actually, they, they were in a lot of financial problems. So to get back in the market, they said, well, you know, looking at the data, the older women had more problems. Yes, they were more compromised. They had gone more years without estrogen and progesterone, and there were sicker women in general. And so they, so to get back in the market, they told the doctors, give it to women for the first five years in menopause, not after that. Mm. Okay. Now that is where that five year came without any explanation. And there is no risk for putting women at any age on normal levels of estrogen and progesterone. You just never at any age want to give oral estrogen, and you never want to give synthetic progesterone. So that came from there. Hmm. And doctors don't look at the data. It's a nuisance. It's an arduous task to go through the literature. And so that's where it came from, and it still lingers. Even in England, they have approved bioidentical hormone replacement for menopause symptoms, only because of the outcry of women demanding demanding it, because you just hide it now. It's, it's actually a beneficial thing. So they in England who said only for the prevention of menopause symptoms. I understand menopause symptoms are annoying, but what I'm in for is the long haul. Ninety-something, I do not want senile dementia. I do not want osteoporosis. I do not want sarcopenia, which is muscle degeneration or problems with ligaments, my joints. I want to be very close to where I am today. And the only thing that's going to be you know, the most powerful tool in that is putting back what nature took away so we could age and die. Mm. It does not from, you know, longevity that I'm not going to push your lifespan, but certainly it will give you a better quality of life. Nothing else comes close to this. Mm. One doctor said once, I want to live long and die short, which sounds like what you're talking about. You want to have a consistent quality of life until you're ready to 
call it a day. <laughs> and that's what most women want. They're not looking for, you know, physical beauty. They're looking for dignity. They don't want to be in a nursing home calling the bell for somebody to take them to the bathroom mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and wash themselves. Or None of that. You just want to think as sharply as you ever did. In fact, with hormones, you'll, you'll think better because your brain, it protects your brain, but you have accumulated amazing experiences throughout your life. And that with an intact brain makes you something that we have never seen before. And mm. that is exciting. I don't have your book and you can tell people about your book in one second, but I do have this brochure from your practice. And one of the things that you talk about, which I think would be good to help our listeners understand what actually we think of the sex hormones as having to do with our sex, menstruation, lubrication, you know, enjoyment of sexual intercourse, whatever. But you're talking about brain protective and heart protective. So do the hormones in our body, like these sex hormones, really help every aspect of our health, every organ? I have got, um, you know, so, so much information in my book about that. What I value the most is the brain protection. And it's always very undermined, but the bone protection. Mm. Because osteoporosis, you're looking at compression of your spine and just a lot of degenerative changes in your bones, which if you fall, you're going to break something and you're not always somebody who can be operated on in your 80s and 90s. So it just takes away your quality of life immediately if you fracture. Also your muscle, your muscle strength, your ligaments, your joints, your immune system. There are so many studies, thousands and thousands of studies that have been done. They're not talked about. Most of these studies are done in countries, the most of the European countries where they have social health care systems. You don't worry about health care costs. Everything is paid for. So the government obviously governments want to make sure the costs are low and they have an efficient system. So they, they fund these studies. Here in America, most studies are funded by private entities who have a vested interest in the outcome. I mean, and a lot of times studies will come out and then the results are manipulated. They go through statistical analytical tools so that mm. they can, you know, the results. So we don't get a full picture here. But we have a lot of information from the journals from Europe, and I put that in my book. Again, I value the brain, just the physical. Because as you get older, when you think of your, you know, you foresee yourself 80s and 90s, and and you look at your family members, you see how they are, how they get up, how they move, how they think. All of that, we can offer amazing protection with estrogen and progesterone. And these hormones, yes, it's, it's interesting that you said that. I never thought that... People think of these as sex hormones. They profoundly affect our femininity and masculinity, you know, the right ratios. But they, they work with other hormone systems. For instance, mm. women who have diabetes, diabetes gets worse after menopause because insulin and estrogen, they work together. Estrogen helps insulin work better. It creates receptors for insulin. Also, thyroid hormone works better with estrogen. Many gut hormones. And, uh, what else? The most important ones, thyroid, ins- and that we see all the time. So your entire functionality improves when your hormone systems are in balance. And by the way, no hormone works in isolation. They all connect. And back going to my history, that's what got me interested in medicine, is how intricate 
the hormone system is. It's an incredibly complex map of these um, hormones that interconnect and affect the uh, functionality of everything else. So. I, we mentioned your book. You have it with you there. I want to tell people about it. So. The truth behind hormone replacement therapy, very simple and direct. So the truth is what we're talking about now. It's importance, but also the importance of not having these synthetic products running around. And especially you mentioned by mouth. So tell the audience why taking a pill is a dangerous thing versus having a transderm, a cream to rub on your skin to absorb. We've known since at least 100 years that when you take something by mouth, it goes to the liver before being released into the blood. When estrogen is taken by mouth, it's sort of it has certain effects that causes an increase in clotting proteins. And so you have a high risk of blood clots. This was recognized in the 19 in 1960 roundabout. And that's what started the interest in doing studies about this, because Sir Richard Doyle from the UK recognized that his patients who were on birth control pills, young women, were having more than expected level of blood clots, strokes, etc. We've done that, right? So estrogen, never by mouth. Progesterone by mouth, it has other issues. It will convert to other hormones by the time it gets into the blood. Estrogen in the metabolism of hormones, how they made in our body, estrogen is right at the bottom. It doesn't convert to too much else before it's eliminated. Progesterone will convert to cortisol and other androgens and so many other intermediaries that we don't have control over. So when people take progesterone by mouth, some days they feel good, some days, some days they're bloated and you lose control. And so it's better to do it topically so it goes directly into the blood, gets utilized as progesterone. Yes, it will also go to the liver, but not initially where all the enzymes are that will convert to, to other hormones. Testosterone, of course, is very dangerous by mouth. It causes problems in the liver. It will convert to other hormones, including estrone, which is not a good estrogen. Topical is generally for estrogen and progesterone, topical is the best. And do you also prescribe testosterone? Well, for women, I don't like to because it's very easy to overshoot. We have plenty of data that when testosterone levels are greater than, I think, was it 50 nanograms of deciliter de or something, whatever the units are, it it totally creates metabolic issues. You're, you have more insulin resistance, cholesterol goes higher, blood pressure goes higher. And then, of course, if you continue that, then you have physical changes too. Voice changes, you know, so in the reproductive areas, you get some physical changes. So testosterone women will make from their adrenal glands. So if your estrogen and progesterone are in balance from, you know, the ovaries, like your mimicking ovaries, then the adrenals will think, oh, we're, we're fertile. You're not yeah. fertile, but you are. <laughs> and they will make testosterone. And I and most of my patients have an increased libido after being in balance. Some people who have adrenal fatigue and other issues they, they struggle more. And in situations like that, then you have to think, okay, you know, libido is very important for her. She's she, you know, totally in balance with the estrogen and progesterone. Then you can carefully give some topically and then measure her weight closely. Mm -hmm. Do you, the Dutch test, you know about the Dutch test? That is, yes. yeah. So tell the 
tell the listeners what it is and then let me know if you believe that that's a, a viable test to have. Yeah, I don't do it only because I've had very, very bad experiences with it. You know, measuring hormones through your saliva or your urine is okay for cortisol. When you start doing it for estradiol and progesterone, it's very erratic. And I actually used to do it in the beginning. I used to do a saliva test and a lot of my colleagues, some, most of them have passed, you know, they were in really involved in this and they warned me against it. But the organizations push it and said, look, it's, you know, this is more convenient. Who likes to go and get their blood test? It's, it's, I don't. So I did it, but then I started getting very erratic results. For instance, women were shown to have very high levels of estrogen or progesterone. It didn't make sense. Then when I would do the blood test, it was the opposite. And so then I just got on it. If it's an expense issue, you can have blood done, you know, inexpensively. But if it's a convenience issue, you know, I've not seen it to be very consistent. Mm-hmm. And I've had consequences. So I don't want to tell anyone, don't do it. But in my experience, it's not been successful. And it is expensive. I think the the, oh, the Dutch for women's well, full profile is $300 these days. Yeah, and the thing is that they have so many things that they add and sort of justifies charging you that amount of money. It doesn't, insurance generally, usually doesn't cover it. We don't have standardized, a lot a lot of data to sort of support doing it. Mm-hmm. So what, what I do as far as measuring, if a woman has a period, then I will measure her at specific points in her cycle. See, but the bl- blood is very good if you use it correctly. If you use it just mindlessly, yes, it's going to give you, you know, sort of confusing data, but a woman who has a cycle, I measure her on her peak days, so when she ovulates, and then in the peak luteal phase, it's around, around about day 21 of your period. That gives me the peak of what she's making. If she doesn't have a period, then I don't have that reference point. So then I, I don't do it. So when I start them on hormones, then I will measure them. And I will tell them to go, you know, I'll, I'll tell them not to have or not to apply hormones anywhere near where they're going to get the blood drawn from because it will contaminate the needle. You think it won't, but I promise you it will, especially it goes under the skin. So we have a few directions I give them and we have consistent results. So it's a little bit, it's it's more predictable and consistent. And do you prescribe a biased cream, the two estrogens or just the estradiol? Back in the day, when I think Dr. Jonathan Wright and the initial doctors, any other one's name, they, they started bioidentical hormone replacement therapy in America back, mm-hmm. you know, decades ago. And at that time, they used to do triest. So right. woman's body, three different estrogens, estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Estriol is a metabolite of estradiol and a metabolite just so that I explain it, it's like um, you start off, for instance, the whole hormone pathway starts off from cholesterol, then it goes to pregnenolone, and then through certain metabolic processes, it converts further and further. So progesterone is right at the top. It's very near cholesterol. So when you take it by mouth, it can become just about anything. Estrogen is almost right at the bottom. It comes after testosterone. So all the estrogens are laid right at the bottom. 
estriol, it's got three OH groups, which is why it's called estriol or E3. That is the final metabolic product. And so biased would have that and estradiol. Estriol acts on the urogenital system. It's what our bodies will naturally convert estradiol to. Estradiol will convert to estriol. So you don't need to give estriol. You just need to give enough estradiol and it will convert to whatever it needs to convert to. So in the beginning, then they realized that estrone was actually not what we liked. It sits in fat cells. Does, you know, is it safe? So it, it got knocked out. So then people started giving bias, which is a 20% estradiol. And it should be 100% estradiol because estradiol is what works on our brain, bones, all our organs everywhere is where estradiol goes. And it will convert to estriol for the urogenital system. And then estriol, they're giving 80%. So people who are getting biased are typically getting about 20% estradiol, 80% estriol. And to me, that's not physiological. I mm. give 100% estradiol. And I promise you, there isn't a woman whose vaginal dryness does not go away once she's in normal levels of estradiol. That means her brain's getting enough. Her bones are getting enough. And yes, it's converting to her urogenital system. And remember, the estriol might give you a bit of a vaginal lubrication, but vaginal dryness is a sign of degenerative disease. Your smooth muscle, that's what that is. It's smooth muscle, by the way, is all the sort of the muscles from your mouth to the openings. There are some other things in your body, such as cardiac muscle and some skeletal muscle, but most of it is smooth muscle. Your blood vessels, your entire digestive tract. So if you have vaginal dryness, you can be assured that you're also aging inside. And that's where estradiol goes. So I like to give estradiol to take care of everybody inside and the vaginal area. So I don't mess with estriol. It's an added expense. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's expensive. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any medical sense for me to give it. So I don't. I have a new conversation to have with my doctor then because he's had me unbiased for, it's always been biased. I'll tell you why they do that. What their thought process, again, this is all, I don't, I don't try to think of a plight of words and ignorance, but <laughs> estradiol got a bad reputation, a false reputation of being linked to breast cancer. It is not. There is not one legitimate study that has linked estradiol to breast cancer. Fake progesterone has been linked to breast cancer. Estrogen in any form has not. So the, the reason that I have to give estriol is they say, well, estradiol is linked to breast cancer. Yes, we do have estrogen receptors on our breast. 70% um, of the breast have estrogen receptors. That's why girls develop breasts when they have estrogen, when the period starts, and it's a healthy thing. It protects us. Yes, and if we have breast cancer, it can occur in a cell that had estrogen receptors, but the nasty breast cancers occur in cells that don't have estrogen receptors. So this entire confusion and misinformation has led this false prescription of estriol to protect a woman from estradiol, which is what her body really needs. Mm. Interesting. 
Because you mentioned a few things that I definitely still have, which always surprised me. I'm thinking I've been on BHRT for the longest time, and yet I have dryness. I have, you know, things that haven't really improved. Because said estriol acts there, but it's not helping the tissue. And estradiol is needed to build the vaginal tissue and everything above it, up to your mouth. Now, when I spoke with Lynn Bowman, who was a patient of yours, she mentioned that you told her that the cream, her estrogen cream, could go on her face, and it's the best anti-aging cream ever. And she's got beautiful skin, so do you. Do you prescribe that to your patients? So, by, by the way, Estee Lauder, I think a couple of decades ago, tried to put estrogen in one of their products, but really to get to physiological doses, so they couldn't do that over the counter. So that, that didn't fall through. But really, honestly, estrogen is the most powerful anti-aging product you can have for your skin. You know, I I can't put it on my face. I used to for the longest time. I can. I get melasma. Well, not melasma, little brown spots here. And I wasn't sure if estrogen is contributing to them. And they're a pain to get rid of. So I put estrogen behind my ears. I'll put it on my neck. Um, but and I'll ask my patients, did you ever get melasma? And if they didn't, I said, put estrogen on your face. And they all tell me they love the skin. Yeah. <laughs> but not if you have a compounded product. Like if you have your progesterone and your estrogen in one cream, you're not going to put that on your skin. You don't want progesterone in, in compounded with anything else. Progesterone is the most difficult hormone to absorb in your skin. Yeah. So you want to put it somewhere where nothing else is there. And you have to, you know, and it's a whole different topic, but progesterone has to be compounded and applied somewhere where nothing else is interfering with its absorption. And you don't prescribe Prometrium, which I understand to be a bioidentical version, but it's a pill. Yeah, so Prometrium is progesterone. And by mm -hmm. the way, I'm just going to clarify, there are words out there that are very confusing, like progestins. Right? Progestin. Right. Progestin is fake. It sounds easier on the tongue, and it sounds a little bit cuter, but it's <laughs> fake data. So progesterone, there's only one progesterone molecule, and Prometrium is progesterone in peanut oil. There's nothing wrong with it as, you know, it is bioidentical. However, it's by mouth. So by the time it goes through your system, you know, you're not always getting a controlled amount of progesterone in your body. Mm -hmm. Conversation number two to have with my doctor. Thank you for the education. <laughs> because I want to maximize this. Like you said, it's expensive. I pay for it. I've always paid for it. No, there's never an insurance for this. But it's worth it to me to have the protective effects. So I just want to make sure I'm getting the biggest bang. And I will tell you that, you know, I have in my practice, I have, you know, organized things that the cost is totally lean. It's very, very lean. It's because my product is not for the elite or you know the celebrities it is for your average woman who works a butt off she, my patients work two jobs you know they clean homes they work in you know supermarkets they work hard they're teachers and whatever and it has to be affordable everybody because these are the women who run the country mm. you know who are really hard work and to have them degenerating and and of course it works so hard by the time they're 60 70 they're just so debilitated and there's nothing yeah. for them yeah 
Now, how does lifestyle figure into all of this? We get the protection by taking the hormones, but I'm imagining that you have a lifestyle component that you would like people to practice. Or no? Oh, you mean other things? Yeah, other things like what are like diet and exercise and sleep and all that stuff. But by the way, without estrogen, very few, very few people get a good sleep. It's it's very odd to find a woman who doesn't have estrogen and sleeps throughout the night and doesn't wake up 2.30 in the morning and a few times to go to the bathroom. So estrogen does allow you to sleep, but definitely, you know, the, the important things in life are stress management. Without stress management, your adrenals are always going to be fighting you. You cannot undermine the importance of healthy adrenal glands. You don't take supplements for that. You take lifestyle modification. You know, women do have stressed out adrenals and I'll tell them, do whatever calms you, whatever snaps you out of reality, your reality that's bothering you. If it's music, if it's exercise, if it's a visual being out somewhere, just do what you need to do to calm your inside so your adrenals are calm. Definitely eat clean. We live in a world where every nobody cares about what we eat out there. The amount of preservatives and chemicals and hormones, bad, you know, like growth hormones. And, you know, it's hard to even get food and meat that's nice. I mean, you probably remember when beef tasted like beef and chicken <laughs> tasted like chicken. Yeah. So, so manipulators. So, so keep your diet as clean as possible. Definitely, you know, sugars are bad. So what all of diet is critical, absolutely critical diet, exercise, you know, adrenal health, which is stress management. They're the main thing. So do you, you mentioned adrenals earlier, and I, I'm trying to think of the metabolic pathways, but do the adrenals need to be in sound state in order for us to then layer on, let's say, estrogen and progesterone, a thyroid hormone? Are they sort of a key yeah. element? Yeah, but here's the way it works. So when women start getting into perimenopause, what happens to them? They eat stuff. And it all goes in the stomach. How did mm -hmm. that happen? Like, why is why is everything I eat turning into cortisol? Because your adrenals are trying to compensate. They're noticing low stuff and they're compensating and they're making more cortisol. The whole balance is off. They're struggling, right? The adrenals are struggling. And so is the brain, which is why women tell me, oh my God, I feel so bad. I'm snappy. They tell me they're moody. She's either they're tearful they go into the tearful, depressed, anxious pathway, or they get into this raging monster that, you know, it, it says something and they blow out. So all of that is a brain objecting. So once you put the hormone, so you're not going to fix the brain with antidepressants and the adrenals with all the, don't do that, right? Just fix the problem. Estradiol and progesterone went out. We know it's going out. We've known it from since the beginning of time. It's what ages us. It's what sets us on this rapid path of degenerative aging. And so cut that back in and you've solved all your most of your problems anyway. This is what you need to do. You don't need to start fixing your brain with medications, your adrenals with medications when the problem was not enough estrogen and progesterone. Mm. That is a bold statement and I like it. And I bet you'd stand by it. You've put your career on it. I mean, it totally makes sense if you think about the, I think you mentioned too in your book, in your 30s, 20s and 30s is where we're the strongest, the smartest, the most capable, and we have a full balance, a full complement of all the hormones. And so when they start to go, our increased lifespan is causing us to outlive 
the way the body was designed to work is what you so, say yeah 1900 right 1900 woman's average age of death was 49 okay so wow. what did we do to get this two years immunizations so we don't die from smallpox polio and all of that all of these nasty viral diseases and we certainly don't die from pneumonia in general right or you know strep throat would kill people kill children so and then just to take my example i had severe childhood asthma i wouldn't have survived that without all the medicines i took then um the surgical techniques, my first pregnancy, it was traumatic. I lost half the blood in my body. I was immediately transfused and my life was saved. I wouldn't have made that. Then at age 37, I got an infection in my back. And, you know, without the antibiotics for six weeks, I would have died. So I have cheated death through modern medicine several times. And probably there would have been other times, but these were the big ones that I know that I wouldn't have survived. So yes, we have survived. And now we have, you know, this lifetime, she's expected to be around about in our 90s, other, unless you do drugs and have other issues, you know, God forbid, cancer or something. But most of us will live into our 90s. So this from 50 to 90 is 40 years. And every mm. decade is worse. So my passion is to stop that decline at that rate. If I can age roundabout the same way as it did from 42 to 62 to 62 to 82 i'd be super happy that's a differential or even a little bit more and and then the next you know 10 15 years i just i think it's just so powerful the tools that we have and the knowledge we have it's just not made available to us which is why i like to make a noise about it <laughs> but yeah so would you say that your book is a good starting place for somebody that doesn't even know how to approach their doctor? They've never, nobody's ever mentioned it to them. Is, is it pretty full explanation of all the reasons why we need it and how to talk to a doc? So I did not think I would write this book. I wrote one in 2010 and I thought by now it would be common knowledge. This book took my blood and sweat. It is what every woman should have because it tells you everything you need to know about hormones, what they are, what is estrogen and progesterone, where they come from, what's the difference between the real and the fake, all of that. But also it goes as a chapter dedicated to why this is controversial. It goes through the whole timeline from 1930s onwards, that what happened at every stage, that, you know, what we did with it and why we are so ignorant today. And if it's, it's a lot of information in that chapter. I would recommend at least read the summary. Mm -hmm. and, and that is what to take to your doctor. I said, look, this doctor is saying that there's no study to date, no legitimate study has shown that estrogen in any form has been linked to breast cancer, even the fake stuff. It has shown that fake progesterone is linked to breast cancer, which you guys always describe anyway. So where are you coming from? Which study are you referring to? Because in this country, we practice evidence-based evidence, evidence -based medicine. And this book has the evidence. So mm. what evidence is she providing you that I have not put in my book? And I would be happy to, you know, concede. But, you know, that is a question to ask. And tell them also that by telling you that they're not comfortable 
right? They're putting a doubt in your mind and you trust them. And you have, as a woman, if there's no family history of breast cancer, you have at least a one in eight chance of getting breast cancer. That's the unfortunate reality. It increases as you get older, but you have that. So if you got it, you're always going to think it's because you took hormones and never listen to your doctor. Mm. So it's very unfortunate. To alter the way you age, it'll give you osteoporosis, senile dementia, take away your dignity because she or he was not educated and still gave you wrong information when they should have just said, look, honestly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We should talk more about this. It's fair to say that, but yeah. it's not fair to say. Or you can say I'm not comfortable telling you because I know nothing about it. That's right. fair too. Then tell me what you know, because we're here to understand the truth. You are a champion for the rebellious wellness way, let me just tell you, because I often speak to my clients and on this podcast about the whole idea of rebellious wellness is you have to become an advocate for your own choices, the way you want to age, not the way conventional wisdom would like you to age with pharmaceuticals and statins and all this stuff. But in order to do that, you have to get up all your courage sometimes and get armed with solid sound evidence-based information, and then be open to have a conversation with a doctor and even give them an out. Hey, if you don't understand this stuff, if it's not your thing, great, just say so. And then you have to find somebody. The book also goes into the endless research behind articles that are cited in there on how these hormones are affecting your brain, your musculoskeletal muscles, your ligaments, your joints, your skeleton, your immune system, your cardiovascular system. And so it goes into detail with tons and tons of research articles from obviously medical journals. So it is, you know, referenced well. It's not opinion. And it's really, again, what every woman should know about this topic here. Perfect. And your website is antiagingmedicalgroup.com. And can people buy the book on Amazon or just on your website? And you can get it as an ebook. And honestly, women, if you have an ounce of curiosity about this, this book sounds like the perfect place to start. I've not had anybody have a book in this detail with this much citation and sound science offered. Let me just add, there is a chapter on breast cancer and it clarifies the myth. So that's also something to take to your doctor. Yeah, that's very important. Very important indeed. Well, I thank you very much for your time. This has been educational, to say the least, and eye-opening. Many people listening are probably on some form of BHRT, and maybe this helps them understand a little bit better about what would be the better option for them. But again, people, don't be afraid to stand up for what you want and find the right docs who will support you in your quest. Dr. Rashid, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time. We'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. People, be well till then. Before you go, peeps, I was just wondering if we are connected on social media. If not, let's do that. You can find me on Instagram at RebelWell50. Same on Twitter. Facebook, it's Rebellious Wellness Over 50. And hey, don't be a stranger. Comment. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on the podcast or what questions you have about aging better and living rebelliously. 